morning. My name is Brock Hanna. Um, I'm a part of the 412 leadership team here at Marion Methodist. Um, today's scripture comes from Mark 14, um, verses 12 through 31, and it says this. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he went to, a, two of, to two of his disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied. One who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just at it as it is written about him. But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it. This is my body. When he took a cup, then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went up to the Mount of Olives. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if, all, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Will you pray with me? Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, this morning, allow our hearts to be opened and minds ready and able to hear your word. Father, we know that all your work is rooted in intentionality, so allow us to be intentional um, in the way we hear your word and the way we apply it to our lives. God, allow Pastor Mike to um, speak the words that you want us to hear and uh, prepare our hearts. It's in your heavenly name that we pray. Amen. I do want to speak of the church that Simon just sang of and welcome all of you that are worshiping with us online. <clears throat> and as we think through our Lenten series, uh, we are going to go to communion at the end of this talk um, here in our sanctuary at 5050 REC Drive. And we encourage you at home to find some elements. You may not have the cups like we have, uh, but certainly find something so you can partake of us at the end of this service. 
Um, a few announcements as I go into the service. Uh, some of these you've seen. Um, Vacation Bible School is coming. Um, we still have some of the prayer cards out here with the M&Ms attached to it. So I encourage you to, to grab one on the way out of the east or west doors if there's still some left. Uh, take something home that's sweet and then do something sweet like prayer for our leaders. That's it. I didn't even get a groan out of that. All right, I need some help. All right. Stay in your lane, preacher. Let the comedians be comedians. Um, Holy Week is seven days away. You saw the announcement earlier. We have many opportunities. Uh, of course, you know, if you don't know about this, every morning, Monday through Friday during Holy Week, which, which starts with our Palm Sunday service next week, um, but on Monday through Friday, we drop at 7 a.m. a Lenten moment, which is a testimony by one of you. Um, and, uh, of course, you can view them through the day, but some of you like to, to, to see them when they're first live, so we encourage you that. And really good news, the playground is coming. The playground is coming. Yay, us. We're excited for the children and youth. And I'm excited to announce a wonderful volunteer opportunity to all of you. It's going to arrive sometime this or next week, and it's going to arrive on a big truck, and the truck driver's going to put that truck in park and say, get this off of here. And uh, there's 8,800 pounds of weight, luckily not all in one piece. Um, and so we do, um, we're going to enlist a lot of people. Many hands make uh, easy work. The church does not own a forklift. Um, so we're going to have to take the pallets apart and unload it into the garage. And we want to unload it, not just unload it, but we want to unload it in the way that it's going to go in to the ground. Um, so be on the ready. If you receive uh, help, you can also sign up. You, you, you could put on the cards that you were handed your name and a phone number and say, call me when it comes in. Um, and because you never know with a truck what time of day it's going to come. But we'll have 24 hours notice. So we hope you'll, 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 you'll join us in that because... <clears throat> If it's just me, it's going to be a long day for Pastor Mike. But I'm, I'm glad to do it because I look forward to what the children can do. Uh, many of you have already received and uh, others will receive this week. Um, uh, a, a note that really says that uh, Mary Methodist is undergoing some, some big changes. You know, last week, Kelsey Drews finished her uh, four and a half years of ministry with us as our uh, youth director, and she's moving on and begins actually tomorrow with Lutheran Church of Hope in West Des Moines. Uh, Karen Schmitz, at the end of this month, uh, will be um, leaving us to the Church of Retirement, so bless her heart uh, on that. And uh, Friday, we announced to, to you that uh, Simon Campbell, who led our worship earlier today, after 10 years of directing worship here and being part of our leadership team, is going to work for Prairie uh, Lakes um, church in uh, Cedar Falls um, after May 18th. So he'll be here on our staff through May 18th, and we're grateful for the work Simon's uh, done, and we're also grateful that uh, after probably a quarter of his working career, uh, he's able to launch into the next part of he and uh, Laura's journey uh, along with their two uh, little girls. So we're um, happy for them. You know, we'll walk around moping for a few more days, but then we'll get right back at it. But I, but I will encourage you of, for a couple things. Um, first, um, you know, celebrate with them that they uh, have these opportunities uh, to go. Second, uh, really pray for your church. Um, pray for the staff parish that has to now, I uh, guess, the opportunity to reshape the culture of our, uh, of our staff and add new people to come alongside us and to guide and shape who it is that we are as a church. 
And three, there's going to be invitations to help. And I hope that that's emphasized in your life right now, that if the old church needs help, that you can step into that, whatever it is. And, um, and of course, you know, in our prayers, um, I, I said this at the first service, um, uh, I don't know if it's that professional or not, but I will tell you, um, this is a great time to be praying, not picking, you know, and helping, not heckling. Because there's going to be a few moments. I'm not giving that to you as a lecture, just kind of as a moment going forward. So I'd ask that you pray for Marion Methodist, pray uh, for the Campbell family, and we'll get to the ministry of the word. Let's, let's pray. God, we thank you for opportunities for those that have labored hard and long, um, as has Simon and uh, the rest of our team at this staff. We, we thank you for opportunities to go and, and have a new ministry and a new fresh look, uh, new opportunities, new tasks with new people. And of course, we pray for those of us here at Marion Methodist, who look forward uh, not only to celebrating the ministries that are concluding here among us, but also in launching new ministries. We ask your hand, your help uh, among us and on us all. In Jesus' name, amen. So <clears throat> we have been preaching during the holy season of uh, Lent, and we are now week five, the ministry of Jesus as viewed through uh, the eyes of Mark, the gospel writer. And today we come as we, in week five to the story of the Passover. Now, the Passover is presented in two parts in the gospel of Mark. The first part is Jesus' announcement that he'll be betrayed. Um, you heard Brock read about that. And what we see at the table, Jesus in this room, that that is a traditional one of the places that we went on our tour to Israel a few uh, years ago. And, and Jesus takes the initiative to inform the 12 disciples of his impending betrayal. He doesn't say, it's a possibility this might happen, or I wonder if this might happen. He says, this is going to happen. And then he says this phrase that's kind of haunting. He says, one who is with me one of my people. This phrase in context is horrifying. It's got to be terrifying because you and I know, we all know that. Um, you know, just a quick raise of hands. How many of you have had a meal this week with your mortal enemy? Okay, just people online are raising their hands. Okay. Um, that's not who we go to lunch with, is it? That's not who we say, hey, meet us at the breakfast place. That, that we, we, we go to, to meal with our closest families, with our, with our friends, because to eat with a person is symbolic of intimacy. You're, you're seated, you're, you're there, you're, you're with friends. And so when Jesus says, one who is with me is going to betray me, this is the betrayal by his closest of associates. That's like your best friend, that's like your sister or brother betraying you. See, because... What I know and what you can know is that the Passover, the, the, this is the high feast of Israel, the Passover is not like what we do. It's not Easter Sunday, everybody show up. That's not how Passover works in the Jewish community. The Passover is a meal that's always done in the safe confines of a family meal. It's a family event. So if you are ever inv invited to what we call a Seder or a Passover meal, you should feel very honored because that means one of your Hebrew friends is saying, you're very close to me. I care for you, I trust you. 
And, and in this family event that the Passover happens in, it's always not liturgical with some rabbi standing up like I'm standing up now to, to lead worship. It's always the youngest person at the table that says to the leader, typically the father, and says, Father, why is tonight different from all other nights? And then in this three or so hour meal, the Passover story is told in a liturgical fashion. It's told as a liturgic meal in the spirit of complete family intimacy. So in that context, in that context, what Jesus is announcing is the height of treachery happening. And so sadness immediately overwhelms the disciples. But remember, the way Mark tells this story, the disciples are always kind of forgetful of what's going on. They seem to always let it go by him. So they're sad for a minute, but almost immediately their thoughts turn inward and they say, is it me? Am I the one? Am I the one that's going to betray you? Now, of course, that's just kind of rhetorical. And I want you to see, because sometimes we miss this when we read this story. And some of you, you know, maybe you're hearing the story for the first time, but a lot of you have, have, have come by the story of the Last Supper many times in the Scriptures. I want you to recognize the word of hope there, the absolute word of hope that Christ says himself. And we shouldn't miss it, because there it is in verse 21. He says, But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him to not have been born. And you're like, wait, Pastor Mike, that's pretty harsh. yes. Yes, it is harsh. What Jesus is saying to Judas, it would have been better if you never ex existed. But most importantly, what he's saying to his disciples and to you and me is that the mission of our God, the mission of Jesus the Messiah will not fall apart because of the sin of Judas. It will not be crushed because of one man's sin. Now, you heard us last week here in this space saying, you know, at the last, we, we were talking about the, the, the scripture that's right before this one, that we have a choice always to bless God, to bless Christ, or to betray Christ. And what Jesus is saying here is the mission that he set on, out on will not fail, will not fall apart because of the sin of, insert your name there. It will not. Now the second part of the Passover beyond the betrayal is Jesus' juxtaposition of his story with the story of Exodus. And that's where our focus is going to be today. The, the Passover is the memorial of a salvation event. I mean, we know the story of the Passover. It celebrates the, 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 the whole movement of, of God freeing Israel from the Egyptians. It's, it's a story that is the very core of the Hebrew people understanding themselves as the people of God. God takes his people out of Egypt. And what Jesus is communicating here as he breaks bread and holds the cup for them is the prediction that in the shedding of his blood, in the shedding of his precious blood, his ministry and death will be connected intimately with Israel's covenant with God. This is, by the way, quite shocking. Because the Jew there and in the latter day would say, why does the blood need to be shed again? I mean, we know the story of the Passover. The, the, the head of the household is to take a lamb, 
kill it, take the blood, paint it over the lintel of the door, doorpost, and any, any home that has the blood of the lamb painted on it, sprinkled on it, the spirit of death will pass over, and there'll be the people that will be led out of Egypt the very next day. They know that story. That is their story. So when Jesus is saying what he's saying, either he's renewing that covenant or he is offering a brand new one. Jesus is instituting the covenant the prophets have longed for. The prophets Isaiah, the prophets Ezekiel, the prophets Amos and Jonah, they all look forward to this day. And the prophet Jeremiah, and you can read this in chapter 31. I have to go to the goggles. But, but in, in Jeremiah 31, this is what Jeremiah writes. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Here it is. When I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. It will not be like the old covenant, the one I made with their ancestors. When I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. See, see how this ties in with Passover? I led them out of Egypt because what? They broke my covenant. You know the story, the golden calf, smashing the tablets, all that. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord, which means I took care of that. And continuing on in Jeremiah. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For, and this is the best part, I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. What Jesus is saying is not dicey. It is revelatory, though. Because what he's saying to the people of his age is that the focus of the new covenant is me, not Moses. The focus of the new covenant is Jesus, not Moses. And in the Passover, God had constituted Israel as a liberated people through a meal. Here, Jesus is constituting the people of God with those who receive him in his ministry in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the wine. So as we go towards communion, and if you don't know, that's what this whole talk is about, and this is where we're leading ourselves to do. It's important for us to have critical consideration of four of the four verbs that are at the core of the sacrament of Holy Communion. So let me go, and I'll go quickly, so listen fast. First, Jesus took bread. He does the action. He, he initiates the action. The, you know, the meal is going on, the liturgy's happening, things are kind of having their fill, and then he does something different. He, he breaks from the script of the Passover meal, and he takes the bread, and what he's doing there when he takes the bread, and mis make no mistake, do not miss this, he is making the covenant for us. He is making the covenant as our Lord. You know, sometimes you make a covenant, and this is between me and you, and you agree to, to put up a fence, and I agree to keep my dog out of it or whatever like that. You, you have this equal covenant. That's not what's happening here. Christ is making the covenant to and for us. We're not equals in this, partner, in, in this um, whole matter of this covenant. He's saying, I'm the Lord. This is the covenant I bless you with. This is the covenant I give you. Your choice and still today, is you can receive it or you can reject it. But that's the choice you have. You don't get to renegotiate. 
You don't have options here except to receive or to reject. Second verb in the Holy Communion. Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, so he's giving thanks to God. And, and I encourage you, you know, as you, as you read Scripture, to always look beyond what's happening here, because we pray to God, right? We, we pray to God for many things, and that, but, but understand what Jesus is doing here. He is speaking with God. Because, you see, Jesus is God. So what you have here in this prayer is when Jesus is giving thanks, you have a conversation in communion with the Trinitarian God. It's in that that he is giving thanks to God for the opportunity to make covenant with you and, and with me. And we, as we look at the, at the Lord's Supper from our perspective in the latter day, or for the disciples that were present there, we're invited to view the relationship that Christ is at in prayer with the Father and, and the Holy Spirit and do the same, which is to give thanks to God for the opportunities that we have and give thanks to God for that which was, we, we have received. The third verb in this, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. Now, this is not the first time we've seen this. We've had a couple of precursors in the Gospel of Mark. We've had a couple of precursors in the other Gospels as well. Jesus is breaking bread, and when he's breaking the bread, it recalls the miraculous feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000, which are in earlier chapters. Look what it says, and, and look at the underlined words. You see the very same verbs that are in our, our um, communion message in Mark 6. Taking five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. Sounds familiar, right? And broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided two fish among them all. Continuing on in Mark chapter 6. The second feeding. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken, same verb, the seven loaves, and given thanks, he broke them, same verbs, and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. What we have here is Jesus offering the most self-sacrificial act. It's really pretty simple. All of communion is pretty simple. What he is saying is, me for you. I'll take your spot. I'll take the pain. I'll take the punishment. This is me for you. Now, theologically, you can call that the... Uh, many churches call that the substitutionary atonement. That tends to be the vocabulary we use here. <coughs> Others, <coughs> pardon me, use, it the, use the word vicarious atonement, which is to say Jesus, through his death on the cross, did for us that which we cannot do for ourselves. He became the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. He sprinkled his blood on our souls so that we might be cleansed. And the fourth verb here, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body. When they or we receive the Lord's Supper, what we're doing is we accept Jesus as the Messiah who suffers and dies on our behalf. You know, in, in a few moments, without much fanfare, we're going to take Holy Communion. And I think it's always important for us to, to remind ourselves that we don't take this in a frivolous manner. I will tell you, I'm as guilty as any preacher ever. When we started into the walk of COVID, I called these little COVID safety cups that we use. I didn't like them at all, but I want to tell you this, and we're going to continue to use them for quite a while, as far as I can see. 
I was being frivolous about one of the most important things we do because there we were in, in, a, in a world health crisis still able through peeling a little level, a little layer of cellophane to really as a body of Christ still take the, the body together and by peeling the purple level to still uh, be able to take the, the cup of our salvation together. And so we don't take this in a frivolous a frivolous manner, you know, because we're blessed with that idea that we can have these kind of things, and nor do we take it in a routine manner. I mean, I've served communion so many times, and so many of you, maybe some of you are here for the first time, that's probably not all of you by any stretch, but we take communion every first Sunday, so hopefully you didn't come and say, well, it's the first Sunday of the month, looks like they got the juice up there, okay, it's communion, you have in your mind what might happen, but when we take it as a routine, what we do is we wrangle the Holy Spirit into our routine, not allowing Him to work. And I encourage you today, whether you're here or at home, to let the Holy Spirit work in Holy Communion. And I encourage you not to take it in a frenzied manner. Sometimes we say, we just got to get to Pizza Ranch. Got to beat the Baptists. They're already there. And just look at it this way. They're making fresh chicken for you. So take a few minutes. Don't be in a hurry. And so understand this. The cup completes the meaning of the bread and extends an invitation to you. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, says Christ. For many, he says. For many means that Jesus' death would only be effective for most, but not all. Did you get that? You know, we, we Methodists say, wait, Jesus is for all people. Yes, he is. He invites all to his table but he is only for many because it is available for those who choose and some do not. It is available for those who choose to be part of the redemptive community. So the promise of the forgiveness of sins and fellowship of God with God is available to those who come to know God by faith in Jesus Christ. That invitation to be part of the covenant community is what we celebrate in this holy meal. And I got to tell you, every once in a while, I think it's fairly useful to go a little bit old school because we're not the first ones by communion. So, so in those chairs in front of you, underneath in the racks, there's what's called the United Methodist Hymnal. They're blue books. And, and it's time to reach for one. Reach for one, and if you're in the front row, it's underneath your, 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 your legs. I'm going to give you a second because my hand doesn't fit in there, but you're all going to need one because these words are not going to be on the screen. There, does that instigate you? All right. They're not going to be on the screen. Oh, now I see a few more of you moving. That's good. We're going we're gonna to do the communion in the liturgy of the United Methodist Church. So when you find that, turn to page 12 to where it says a, a service of word and table number two. I will read the normal print. I ask you to join in on the bold print. Christ our Lord invites all to his table who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess together our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
Amen. Take moments to pray in silence for the forgiveness of your own sins.